I'm Zach. I'm Riff. I'm Jim. And I'm Dying. And what episode is it? Uh, it's 256. Hi, 256. Dying. Yay, we rolled over. <laughs> yeah, Welcome so to we... episode zero. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a reset, because we, we tried 256 once before, and it was a failure. Uh, so maybe that was episode zero, so now we have episode one. So. Bonjour, Dying. If, Je yeah. suis fromage. <laughs> Right. Uh, if if you are interested in uh, this episode, go to the Video Games Hot Dog forums, uh, which you can find uh, via a link on our website, videogameshotdog.com. And there uh, you can find a link to episode 255B, which uh, the recording quality is so bad that I, f- I just refuse to put it on the, um, the regular uh, podcast feed. Y- uh, you know, y- you could have just admitted that you didn't remember the instructions on how to publish a show <laughs> to the feed, Kevin. That's true. I, I, I went to incredible lengths to make the show sound so bad <clears throat> that I could not publish it. You know, one thing that happened as a result of me showing you how to do all of the editing and publishing is, is that, that I could just make you do true. it totally sometimes can. in the future. Yep. I don't want to. You're busy. It's fine. I mean, I'm We're busy too, busy. but we could trade you off. You also have to let me use your computer to That's, do it. Yeah, that is the one problem. So, but I mean, if you go home and I stick around, I can totally do it. Oh, yeah. In the mm. evenings. I like this idea. Mm-hmm. I like one. You know, one thing I like doing less work. That's why I went on vacation for three weeks. Right. <laughs> what I miss, which is weird, because you you don't like doing less work. I don't in general. It, no, it's uh, <laughs> not your style. Did I miss anything? Uh, you missed PAX. Yeah, and XOXO. I wouldn't say I missed PAX, but I would definitely say that I missed XOXO. PAX was PAX was fun. It was we uh, we showed off uh, West of Loathing at PAX. I talked to a bunch of uh, journalists and game games peoples and uh, and then showed the game to the public for two days. Did they like our video game? Everyone seemed really positive about it. Well, not everybody. There were like a small fraction of people that weren't super enthused. So you would say our reviews were generally positive. Yeah, generally positive. Yeah. But if you take out all of the reviews from people who uh, did not pay to right. play the demo, uh, then, suddenly our reviews are mixed. Yeah, I was. I would say mixed. Yeah. Have we figured out what the motivation is for Valve to... Okay, so for context here, yeah. Valve has apparently, when displaying aggregate review scores, they are discounting reviews for which the... the uh, the person who reviewed it received a Steam key from outside of Steam yeah, who did yes. not buy it directly through Steam. They did it. They, what they said was it was because there were a bunch of games and a bunch being like a handful that were giving away keys in exchange for positive reviews. Mm-hmm. So it just like they were showing up as very positively reviewed, even though they were garbage. OK, uh, yeah, I, I saw a uh, graph of um, what of games of the change in game scores and it was one of those uh, point plot graphs where x was the score pre uh change and y was the score post change so if nothing had changed it would just be a straight line yeah and it mostly was there were just a few <clears throat> outliers so i actually believe that like yeah probably they're just doing this to to uh affect a handful of games there were a bunch of like really melodramatic like this is the end of the world for me as an independent developer on steam cuz people you know people were irritated that like if you gave away all of your kickstarted copies as steam keys then suddenly those reviews don't count anymore yeah, yeah. um the thing that what uh, i was a guest on the Creighton crowbar podcast that was published yesterday as of this recording um and they talked about it a lot 
I guess I should say we talked about it a lot, but they knew what they were talking about. <laughs> um, it, Tom Francis's sort of worry about it is that the number of reviews a thing has is potentially and is in fact probably important in terms of how much featuring Steam gives it. Oh yeah. So and it also pushes it like the, I think you have to have like five hundred reviews to get the overwhelmingly positive category. Yeah, I've heard that specifically. There's a number, there's a cutoff. So it it is a little frustrating that it reduces the reviews for people who have Kickstarters or like have a fan base and they sell their own copies or or people buy humble humble bundle bundle. sales. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's a bunch of way people, bunch of ways people have acquired keys and now uh, all of those except for steam is invalid. So I also think that it's a little bit of steam being like, you know what? Maybe people should buy games from us and not uh, not these external sites. Well, I don't know that this actually incentivizes that for the consumer. It doesn't for the consumer, but it does for the devs, and they're the ones that just make the decisions I about guess where the game yeah. is sold. Okay, good point. Uh, so, because I, I definitely thought about it for a second, and I was like, uh, does this mean that we shouldn't try to sell things off-site? And I don't know that we are going to... I don't think we ever assumed that we would get any kind of Steam featuring or, like, Steam-driven sales anyways. So I don't know that this is really going to change our strategy Steam-driven sales. Yeah. <laughs> what do you need a sale for if your ship is Steam-driven? Mm. Oh, nice. Huh. You guys, we started talking about video games, like, immediately. What <laughs> happened while I was gone? You know, Steam is, is just, like, air blowing in, in one direction, Okay, so you could have a steam engine that just, just had it, it just blew air at your sail. Oh yeah, yeah wait, no, the, the exhaust for the steam. Yeah, mm. pointed at your sails. Yeah, of course. Could oh. you sail upwind faster than the wind? UFTW. <laughs> <laughs> uh, faster than the wind. Huh? Yeah, FTTW. There's for, that upwind. Wind. Upwind faster than the wind, like. Can you build a device that goes upwind faster than the did, wind? Right? Didn't the, somebody do that? Didn't somebody make a practical device that did that? Oh, you're thinking of FTL. No, no, I'm actually thinking about fact, like a like a a boat or a boat car that did this. I I could have sworn that somebody actually like made a wind-powered vessel that went faster than the wind at times. I thought that it was one of those things like. The airplane, uh, the, on, the the airplane on the treadmill or yeah. the do you wipe your butt standing up uh, <laughs> where it mostly where exists as a way of uh, uh, arguing in comment threads. I'm, gonna have to try to, I'm not going to remember this, but uh, somebody else can remind me to try to see if I can find this on the internet. I'm pretty sure someone show. invented a way to sail into the wind. Oh yeah, no, that's that's, yeah, that's like a, a major innovation in navigation. I don't know how right. that works, but yeah. Yeah, I don't, do I don't either. So I figure if you just have one sail that goes with the wind and one sail that goes against the wind, then you should be able to add the velocities together. Well, so, I mean, it's, you, you do have awesome, like, vector math, right? Because you can't come and direct, so you cannot sail directly into the wind, right? like I believe that is true. That's, I think. I think you can, I think you can tack into the wind, which is. Tack? Uh, well, I'm, I was being hesitant because I don't, I don't, I don't know my nautical terms. Oh, tack is definitely a um, nautical term. Uh, but, like, you can sail at an what you angle the towards chair. the wind because, like, you're <laughs> yep. you just harness the the uh, the part of the force that's like pushing your boat, uh, sort of diagonally into the wind, right? Mm. So you can go like, 
Does that make sense? I think so. I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying it. I think. I think we need well. a whiteboard. Yeah, a white it's board like the helpful. princess <laughs> and the pea sort of. You put a tack on the captain's chair, and if he notices it, you know he's a good captain because <laughs> right. that means he's not so like fancy that he puts like four cushions on his chair to sit down. You want to. You want to. You know, a captain that just sits on the plank. Right. No, no pants even. Just. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right yeah. there, because you know those sailing breeches. They were thick. You could get a. You could get a get a, a thumbtack into those, and it probably wouldn't reach your butt. Right. You guys ever sit on a thumbtack? Hmm. I've never had the pleasure. Mm-hmm. I've stepped on one and had it just go all the way into the ball of my foot before <sighs> as a kid, and that was, yeah, it hurts, guys. Yeah. I don't know if you, man. You know what I did uh, while I was in England? Did um, I did a lot of fun things in England, but I think the most fun thing that I did was I reached into my shaving kit where I had accidentally left the razor blade on oh. my razor and just neatly sliced off the very tip of my thumb. Oh. Wow. Barely even deep enough to bleed, but something about it just made it so it felt like my entire hand was being electrocuted for like an hour. Just like every nerve was mm. just randomly firing and it was just like pins and needles in my entire hand. And then the next day, like every time something would like rub up against the little disc of missing flesh wait so was do this like thing. a safety razor yeah like just a just a, a harry's uh, this episode is sponsored by harry's uh, by the way i love this it's like i still have a little piece of thumb in that razor blade if anybody wants to see it sell it on ebay hmm. yeah you could probably clone me from this if you really wanted to what, your thumb what makes a razor a safety razor uh it not being a uh straight razor I mean, I think I Jim, when he said safety razor, did not actually mean safety razor. Like, you, me- you mean, like, the disposable razor style. Like, right? a safety razor is one that you still put a razor blade in, but it's got, like, the guard on it. It's like the thing you think of your grandpa using. Yeah, that, or, that is what I was thinking what is, of. Okay. Yeah. What is like, the guard? Because disposable razors, like, it's pretty hard to cut yourself on those. Well, you can just move them sideways and... Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> cut yourself pretty good, yeah. But this was just a really brand new, really sharp one, and I just like kind of like just shaved the end off my is, thumb. Is a safety razor so a razor, a non-safety razor has a sharpened edge on both sides? Uh, no, it's a, a a non-safety razor is just a straight razor, like it's the just like, a like a knife, the barber, just knife, like a, just yeah. a knife. Okay, that, that swings open and has like you know kind of a cleaver-shaped blade on it. And, and it, a safety razor, you put a razor blade into it and screw the top down onto it. Okay. And then you can just drag it along your face. But how is that fundamentally different than a training. non-safety razor? They're both incredibly sharp blades. I guess the razor... So well, if, in if, one, the blade is horizontal, and one, it's vertical. So that's safer. If you're lying <laughs> okay. down while you're shaving, you're actually better off using a non-safety <laughs> razor, because then that's more safe. Uh, okay. Harrys.com. <laughs> <laughs> so horizontal, like so one is perpendicular to the handle and one is not. Uh, that I believe that is true. Yes. Yeah. So that's what you mean by horizontal versus yeah, vertical. Yes. Okay. Yes. I mean, so you could cut off your arm with a straight razor, right? It's like just a knife. Yeah. I think it'd be very, very difficult to cut off your arm yeah, with a safety a razor. <laughs> well, you'd have to like, Assume you, you the motion is different, the bone right? with it. Like you can't saw with a with a safety razor, but you can like windshield wipe. 
<laughs> That's true. Yeah. You guys ever read the the uh, account written by Aaron Ralston about how he cut his arm off? <laughs> no. It's kind of amazing. Is like this the, the, the detail the that he. What? The oh guy, yeah, the guy who, whose arm was trapped under a boulder. Hundred and seventy like eight you, hours or whatever. Like it was pretty is. clear that when he was like that he had some knowledge of medical anatomy when he was doing it. Oh huh. And like just it's not just as simple as sawing for a while, apparently. Yeah, I think you'd have to like because he clamp off the veins and he stuff. It yeah, yeah and you like you wanna you wanna actually break the bone as opposed to cutting through it. Hmm. How did he break his own bone? I, f- I forget. But fuck, that sounds awful. Yeah, it was uh, pretty pretty harrowing. Even just reading it, God, I feel but... like I'm a better person now. Mm-hmm. Ugh, Jesus! Like I I watched that movie. And then I told Melissa that she was never allowed to watch it because I wanted her to not freak out every time I went rock climbing. Again. Mm. <laughs> oh God! Wait, did you wait? You go rock climbing where there are boulders? Uh, I mean, you go rock climbing outside sometimes. And yeah, I never did that. Out, there are, there are situations where the that boulders are, live. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they, they could be hiding around any yeah. corner. It's funny because, like, when I was climbing, it was strictly bouldering, and there were never any boulders. It was at a bouldering gym. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because, like, it's that, called bouldering because you have to do climb on boulders. So it's a weird, weird thing, huh? Indoor gyms have usually been uh, boulderized, which means they've been <laughs> made safer via the removal of offensive real rocks. So, right. <laughs> or, or, I mean, could we have an indoor gym right here who can verify this for us, right? That's me right now. No boulders here, buddy. Uh, I recently saw you make the transition from outdoor gym to indoor gym. (laughs) Maybe some kidney stones. The uh, most of the deaths that I've heard of uh, from casual climbers, at least, are actually due to bees. Yeah, bees. Oh, that makes sense. Bees. Yeah, you, you, like you, bees or wasps will like make a nest on a climbing route oh. and you won't, know, you won't know about it and you'll like stick your hand in it and then they'll like get real pissed and they start stinging you and if you like start you know like you, what do you do you like yeah, exactly yeah, you flip like out you flail your arms trip. around yeah. yeah yeah and then and then if you haven't put your like your protection in or whatever well enough you uh, can just follow your death exciting times yep so is it, would you say it's the bees that killed them or the fall that killed okay, them? Okay, the, the, the fall is... I think the bees the... would take the credit. <laughs> if somebody pushes you off a cliff. Yeah. Yeah, gravity has got enough deaths on its on its hands. It doesn't need more. Right. Yeah. I mean, because I guess technically it's always lack of oxygen to the brain, right? Like, no matter what. The bees don't... can't actually fly, right? So... <laughs> Let's check the comment thread for the fascinating conclusion to that discussion. <laughs> yeah, that's why they're so pissed. Yep. Uh, I went to I went to France. Okay. And uh, and England. Okay. And uh, sorry for not being here to do any podcasts with you guys. Okay. Which one had the more lax cheese regulations? I didn't look into cheese regulations in either place. I definitely ate a lot more cheese in France than I did in England, but mostly because I was so tired of eating cheese by the time <laughs> okay. I got to England okay. that I just wanted yeah. nothing but, like, bacon and eggs. Did you um, uh, drink a lot of wine in Paris or in France? Not as much as you would think. Okay. Um, I... Since I started drinking more wine, I've uh, all of the varieties of wine that I've found that I really like tend to be Italian, and so mm-hmm. I never really knew what to order, so I would often just order a beer. 
Okay. Um, they had left almost nowhere. When we were there before, they had left everywhere. That was the great thing about it. Yeah. Um, went to some museums. Went to went to Notre Dame. Climbed up on the towers of Notre Dame this time, the first time. That was, that was neat. There were all these really obnoxious view obstructing anti suicide chicken wire fence things mm. okay. around the entire top of the people like to throw themselves to to their death from there. Off of Notre Dame? Yeah. What's the word? Is it Paris syndrome? Why? I don't I don't know. It's it was, it's because France is so awful. <laughs> like that's the Is that how the and, guy dies in Hunchback of Notre Dame? Is is uh, are they are they copycatting? It's possible. I don't I've not read the Hunchback. Is this like Hunchback. that thing where you put a padlock on the fence by that one bridge? Isn't that might aren't, be in Aren't there a, a bajillion padlocks on that bridge? You're thinking of the Panama Canal. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, isn't isn't there a, a bridge over the Seine that's like got hundreds or thousands of, of little padlocks on it? Or I don't like remember. People, I think there, I think there are various places like that. Yeah, and then they throw the keys into the river. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, that's in Florida. No. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I think there are multiple bridges <laughs> like that. Okay. Um, yeah, they could just send a guy down there with like bolt cutters over a weekend, just remove all the padlocks. Um, hmm. I guess they probably and, do, right? I mean, they would run out of space eventually. Mm. Unless you just start locking the other locks. Although eventually you'd have so much weight that the bridge would just tip over sideways. <laughs> right. You got to do it evenly. Yeah. They have people directing you to you to which side to put the thing on. Maybe no, this is p- in the Thames, actually. Maybe it's in England. Maybe it's in London. Yeah, in there's a place in New York I know where people put locks on <clears throat> bagels. Right. Mm. <laughs> That's uh, they've got we the went larger hasps so they can go all the way through the hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, you have to use like a bike lock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we went to a museum that was highly recommended but not really described to us called the Musée de Chasse et Nature, which is like the Museum of Hunting and Nature, which is an old hunting museum that has been converted into something very similar to, if uh, if the listeners are familiar with it, the Museum of Jurassic Technology mm. in L.A. It's really weird art installations, basically. Right. There's still like, you know, here's a room where there's all these different rifles and stuff. And, you know, they're, those are pretty on the nose. But then here's a, a bunch of like little weird curiosity cabinets with a bunch of stuff about real animals and then a bunch of stuff about fake animals. And then here's uh, somebody who had. Oh, did they have fake rifles in the fake in the rifle room, too? They didn't. They did have some fake uh, like uh, what is the word for when you stuff an animal's taxidermy. corpse? Taxidermy. taxidermy. They had some fake taxidermied animals. I'm uh, not. I would not say that I'm really jet lagged, but I would definitely say that I am not operating on all of my cylinders mm-hmm. so on account you, of yesterday having been like 34 hours long. When you say fake taxidermied animals, do you mean like Fiji mermaids and uh, rabbits with antlers and stuff like that? There, I think there were a few things like that. There was one that was just like the ass half of like a jaguar, <laughs> um, which is not like a trophy from the 1700s. It was a gag from the 2000s. Uh, there was one big collection of art that was all made by this guy who I believe, 
I don't remember his name. I believe that is what is true of this guy's name. But it was all credited to like five different artists of five different time periods. But it turns out when I looked them up to all just be like fabrications of this one guy hmm. who has has just made a bunch of different art in a bunch of different sort of eras styles. Hmm. A bunch of kind of through lines going through them. Like, like through lines do. Um, went back to the catacombs, saw a lot of skulls. Nice. It's always cool to see a lot of skulls. Did it feel like playing Spelunky? It didn't really, because uh, you weren't allowed to break anything or <laughs> right. pick up. I, like, I kept... You can't just, like, carry the skull with you just in case. Yeah, you can only carry one, and if you do that, you have to put down the audio tour right. <laughs> device, so it's it's really discouraged. But you can throw the audio tour at a bat if it comes That's, at you. Yeah, that is true. Uh I wonder why there aren't bats down there. Man, at one point, as we were walking to a restaurant, I saw two guys with, like, backpacks and headlamps just disappearing down a manhole, and I was like, fuck, I wish I were going with those guys to <laughs> explore whatever ancient dungeons <laughs> await beneath the streets of Paris. Because <sighs> the network of catacombs, like, the network of old limestone quarries is, like, city-spanning and gigantic and largely off-limits, but also, I think... World like regularly visited by sort of urban adventure mm. enthusiasts and probably also like heroin addicts and murderers. Yeah, I was so, going to say, there's probably a whole colony of mole people down there somewhere. Chuds. Uh, and then went to, went to England, went to the British Museum again, saw the random assortments of uh, imperialist seizures. Mm-hmm. Um, imperialist seizures <laughs> yep uh, and, uh, we went oh uh, because they've been seized yes, yes. I was like, like you're talking about like seizure. Jackson Pollock paintings yeah like, just, <laughs> that, was, that was where I was going <laughs> yeah. went to the Tate Modern uh, which was a good modern art museum yeah like the Tate yeah, they had this garden out back with all of these weird hanging sculptures that, as we walked past it, were all in the process of being lit on fire. Mm. Um, like just these sort of like rusty metal spheres with some holes in them that then guys in like bowler hats and fancy suits were walking around just lighting each of them on fire. That's and they art. Were just filled with. That's definitely kindling. art. Yeah, it was really cool. <laughs> huh. uh, I think it was called the Fire Garden. Okay. Um, did each of the spheres smell different? I don't know. I didn't go smell them. Okay. I think you were not supposed to. There was like <laughs> no a, smelling the sphere. There was a cart next uh, next to the garden that sold hot dogs, so a lot of it smelled like hot dogs. Okay. Uh, and a lot of it smelled like uh, like uh, kerosene or lighter fluid that they were using to to light the things. And then there were some big. There was a big like glowing cube floating Ooh. on the Thames, which was nice. <laughs> Someone chasing after it. No, there was someone standing on top of it, though, oh. as part of the... Uh, and the the cube itself was made up of panels, which were some sort of, like, individual works of art by people. Oh, like a quilt. Yeah, but it struck me as, like, maybe they were, like... It, like, if you see, like, the place that we used to eat pizza uh, by the old studio, where it was, like, a lot of kids' placemats, it just seems like maybe they, like, just let a bunch of people make pieces of art to go on to this thing. I couldn't see them because they were too far away. But that was what I imagined them to be, was just like crayon drawings of goats eating pizza. (laughs) (laughs) And a pizza eating itself or, you know, all of the weird things that the minds of children. The other thing it could be is In a place where they don't really have pizza. The million dollar homepage. 
Yeah. Where like a bunch of companies have each paid for 10 by 10 pixel sections of it and have ads to their online casino. Yeah. One of them was just like a uh, the Twitter logo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, man, it, I was gone for so long and the last part of the trip was just sort of hanging out at Tom Francis's house, like working that I've forgotten everything interesting to say about the trip that there was. If you ever find yourself in Paris, go to that museum of hunting and nature though. It's, it's a cool zone. I also had a calzone. I did not have a calzone, uh-huh. but I did watch someone eat a calzone in, in France <laughs> at the Tate modern. It was yeah. just an exhibit as a man eating calzone. <laughs> Step oh. right this way to see the man eating calzone. Uh, had you know a lot of in 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 France. I don't want to be critical of other people's cultures, but yes, you do. I don't understand how anyone gets anything done in France because against our will, we probably spent seven or eight hours out of each day just eating because you you go there and then like eventually a waiter shows up and then you get your food and then like maybe eventually they bring the check but there was never a point where we did not have to like actively flag a waiter down to get them to bring the check and like I like not being like rushed out of a restaurant but I also like being able to leave if I have something to do without just having to wait to get lucky there was a conference call that we had where you were leaving three hours beforehand and be like oh I should be fine I've got three hours and yeah, you're still three late. hours to eat dinner, yeah. <laughs> and you were still late for the conference call. So you worked you actually worked a fair bit while you were abroad. Yeah, I did. It was you know, there was there's internet. Basically the whole world has internet now. Hmm. Except for India because of that explosion. Did the internet explode in India? Mm-hmm. That's sad. No, that SpaceX rocket that mm-hmm. exploded that was supposed to put Facebook. Give internet in to India. all the yeah. Yeah. Um did anybody ever figure out what happened there? Don't know. Because they said the engine wasn't even turned on, right? Like it was, it blew up while it was being fueled, and no, they didn't. Nobody really understood why. I mean, they're still doing an investigation. Uh, there is the possibility that it was sabotage. Yeah, that somebody yeah. shot it. That yeah. it was bees. That is. Yeah. Yeah. Bees are responsible for ninety-eight percent of all rocket failures. Yeah. It's because it's got the, the- word "rock" in it. <laughs> they don't like rock climbers. Rockets, the Rockets. Yeah. Oh man, that's why they had to stop doing that a bit. <laughs> Did they? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I guess you don't really hear anything about it anymore. Yeah, I, I just kind of assumed that the Rockets aren't a thing anymore because I haven't heard about it since I stopped watching Nick at Night. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> I was gonna say I feel like most most of my exposure to the Rockets was like say. John Lara Kett's character on Night Court talking yeah. about them. <laughs> so, uh, how's PAX? Other than, other than so demoing the game, I spent almost the entire time at PAX at Cafe Ladro, a couple of blocks away, just working and like tweeting at people to come say hi. And then when they showed up, I make them do play tests. Cool. Um, Cafe Ladro is great. Like it's it's just like a couple blocks from the convention center and you can barely see that it's a cafe from the street so it's not super crowded you have to know that it exists yeah 
Well, now you've told all of our listeners. Yeah, well, they, they can come say hi when you're there. when I'm at PAX. Is that what you have you done that prior to this year? I've well? well, I've I've hung out at Cafe Ladro at previous PAXs, but never to this extent. I see. Never like to the point where like it's almost it's almost all I did. You were the program. Mm, they don't get residents. mad that you're there for twelve hours a day. I mean, it's never that long. I get there like at noon or one, and then it closes at like six or seven. I'm usually gone before then, so like more like five hours. And no, they haven't, at least they didn't come talk to me. Did they make you buy a coffee every 45 seconds or kick you out? Nope. Good. That didn't happen. I imagine that France would be a very good place to, like, work out of a restaurant. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, if you can't ever leave anyway, I'd do something. Yep. Did you you meet any, any fun video game celebrities while you were at PAX? Um, I met... And I, frankly, I was mostly hanging out with people I know from the Bay Area. Nice. It's kind of dumb. Yeah, but it's it's kind of dumb. But it's also weird. like none of us are gonna like schedule a solid week, bl- a block of time to just hang out with other game devs while we're while you're here. Yeah, while we're here. While so like, it, in that sense, it kind of makes sense. But like, it, it it's a little weird. I, uh, yeah, I hung out with Ben Ben McGraw. I hung out with Tyreek Plummer. Yeah. Two pretty I, cool game devs, <clears throat> local people. I I don't know that I'd met Tyreek before. I like I like him a lot. Is he Catacomb kid? That's yeah. right, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um We're we're gonna be showing West of Loathing at Fantastic Arcade uh in a couple weeks. It's no Less like a week. a week. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Also, you'll be talking at a conference am i am i right tomorrow yeah roguelike.club yeah. uh i th- maybe we'll publish this by then so yeah if you're in the bay area go to roguelike.club yeah i checked oh, well. i checked last week and you can't get tickets anymore no oh well all my talks are gonna be terrible so you're not missing much you uh, did procedurally generate your talk so who, who <laughs> knows what it's gonna be <laughs> you've already posted the best slide on Twitter. i wonder if i could just like sh- is it in like a hotel it is at the Eventbrite office. Oh, interesting. It's yeah. weird because they're like normally a place that you go mm-hmm. online to schedule events. So if you just go there in real life, you can just have your events. There. Yeah, yeah. I was that's thinking good. if it was a hotel, I could show up in the lobby and say hi to people. But if it's in an office building, that's probably not the case. Unless it's a new office building that has that legally required available public space. Right. And then I could go to the secret roof garden. Yeah that no one else knows about, so I'll be alone there. So do you not have tickets to Roguelike Club? No, I do not. Oh. Uh, it turns out that um, the other event, the, the, the event that I go to usually usually every month, uh, Hype O'Clock Game Dev and Tea Time, which you can find on Meetup. It's a pretty small thing, so don't all rush it, I guess. Um, it's the same day, so I'll be busy. Oh, okay. no. Is that but that's also sort of downtown ish, right? It's ish, yeah. Okay. It's uh near uh Civic Center Bart. I went there with you once. It's weird. It's it is weird. It's a weird space. It's a weird space. Weird people. A lot of musical instruments on the walls. They serve tea sometimes. Like to the point where maybe it's just a labyrinth whose walls are made of musical instruments. Sure. <laughs> Pan flutes labyrinth. Nice. <laughs> I don't remember any of the things that I thought of to talk about while I was not on the podcast for weeks. 
Well, did you, you didn't take notes. Mm-hmm. You weren't like, aha, I have a topic, and then scribble it down furiously. There are some notes right here that I could read. Call to action. Oh, man, I'm not going to read this. This is an ad. Yeah, I think that I think that whole stack is probably <laughs> It's just ads. idle thumbs ad reads. Oh, man. Yeah, let's, let's put more of those in the world. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what... I'll just put, like, me shuffling through paper sounds on the podcast. You know who this podcast is really brought to us by is our generous Patreon backers. Yeah, true. just read this piece of paper describing them. Such as... Treebark Atherton. Tom Gibbon. Juice Jankelson. Gibbon Tom. Tom Tom. Holy Francis. <laughs> Tom Holy? <laughs> Gibbon Gibbon. <laughs> Casey Kettledrum. We need to uh we need to seed this generator with a few more lines, I think. R- roundabout Tweedlebum. <laughs> boink. That's all it says here is just boink. That's all it says here on the on the sheet of paper that you wrote that's, boink on? Yes. Riff, riff, that's B oink. Oh. There's a dot that you can yeah. barely see You're it. Right. Bill Bill Oink. Bill Oink, okay. Anyway, seriously, thank you, Patreon backers, for making uh, this possible. And uh, we're sorry it's so terrible. Well, well <laughs> we're sorry that we haven't uh, collected we any of your money for quite a while. <laughs> we don't know it's going to be terrible. We'll remedy it. Have you guys played any video games? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've played some. What have you played? Jim? Oh, I'm, 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 okay. I've got to actually talk about them. I, I so I talked about this last week, but because no one heard it, uh, I played a game called Gabub's Adventure. Um, or possibly G-Bub. Or G-Dot-Bub. Like G-Boob. Um, it's, it's spelled G-E-B-U-B. Uh, and this was on Kickstarter a few months ago, I think. Uh, and it looked really charming. It looked like a, like a Sakeless-inspired kind of exploration platformer. A what-inspired? Sakeless, S-E-I-K-L-U-S, which is a game from like... 2002, like one of the early indie explore ups hmm. um, It was a game maker game that was actually pretty influential. Um, and as so, would you describe like say Cave Story as one of those? Or uh, well, Cave Story is like it, except that it's much more um, gamey. Okay, like in Sakeless and in Gibub, um, you are just wandering. A landscape and like adorable creatures are walking around and you're collecting little orbs but the orbs are really just there to guide you through the world and to let you know where you've been already uh, so it's like a crackdown yes except well except if, if crackdown didn't have any shooting in it or driving um and like in in Gibub, you will like they'll, they'll just run. Across, I just collected an acorn. You don't know what that's for, but then later you meet a squirrel, and the squirrel wants the acorn. And there's like like a dozen interactions like that throughout the game that unlock various areas of the game. And it's just this this like really delightful wandering through a world and listening to to lilting music and uh kind of a relaxed experience for the first couple of hours, and then the last hour is. If you want to finish the game, is like, like going over the the world again to see what you missed, and like really like getting sick of it because you're <laughs> you've seen everything two or three times already. And so I recommend like 
playing this game until you feel like playing it more would make you sad mm. and then stop playing it until you feel like it would become difficult to see anything new right yeah as soon as it as soon as like you have to actually put forth the effort to um to see the rest of it there's actually not that much left so like use use this to exercise your you know restraint restraint mm. yes yeah um and but what if you haven't collected all the orbs what if it says like this, 42 out of 52 orbs oh man isn't that what you did though like didn't you go back and oh yeah i did I, I did i spent it. the last hour and it was not worth it um but the first two hours were worth it they were great and this is just on Steam, right? I, I got. I also backed the Kickstarter. It's just one of many Kickstarters that I backed without remembering that I had backed it. Yeah, yeah. If you look in, the, like, as when the credits rolled, there were like it listed all the backer names, and there were like a hundred of them. So it's not that many. Um, and six in a row were people that I know. So apparently, they were like people who backed it in response to my tweet. I guess. Yeah, I'm, that must have been why. Yeah, uh, it's five bucks on Steam. It's uh, you. You get like almost all the value out of the game in the first like 20 minutes so it's worth you know if you have a if you if you're one of the backers who backed it and you haven't looked at it yet just just open it up and check it out and explore the world for as long as it pleases you speaking of kickstarter kevin it's looking increasingly likely that your 2012 christmas present is also not going to arrive in time for christmas 2016 so i'm really sorry which oh wow Wow, really? Might have been 2013 is with the original. That seems like a really long delay. Yep. Huh. Are, are we, are we going to talk about what it is, or will that wait till it's arrived? That'll wait till it's arrived. Okay, it's a spoiler for Kevin. Oh, yeah, I don't want to tell him what his Christmas present from okay. 2012 is. Okay. <laughs> uh, I played uh, Metrico Plus for PS4, hmm. which is a puzzle platformer. Um, that made a lot more sense on the Vita, where the uh, gimmick was that it uses like light coming into the camera and motion of the gyroscopes to like change the state of the puzzle. Hmm. Uh, so like you would you would shake the Vita or tilt it or like shine a light on it to solve puzzles in the game. Um, and in the version for PS4, it's a uh, it, it's still doing like it, it it's kind of takes those ideas and it measure measuring your activity in the game it, it changes the state of the puzzle so like there might be a platform that moves based on how much time you've spent jumping this room or how many times you've shot like turrets or like um how many times you've hit the reset button to restart the room um and the puzzles are based on like just measuring various aspects of things that are measurable. And I think it would just have been a lot more interesting to when there were more things to measure, like on the, on the Vita. Huh? So the, it's a puzzle platformer, but it sounds almost more like every room just has some intuition that you have to have to, well, you, you have to like observe like what, what, how, how it reacts to what you're doing. So, um, you have to like w watch this watch this platform and observe when it moves. And some platforms move when you shoot. Some p platforms move when you your shot hits something. Some platforms move when your shot bounces off a wall. 
some platforms move when the, after the shot has bounced off a wall and hits you. And it might have all four of those mm. in the room at once. And you have to like do each one a certain number of times. Um, it, it's, it's moderately interesting, but like, again, if you've got a, who has a Vita, what am I saying? Is it called Metrico because it uses some metric to determine where the, I, I mean, it, the, the tagline was like, it's a game about in, uh, infographics. Mm. So oh, yeah. like, Oh, that's why it sounds familiar. Cause the art style is all infographic-y, isn't it? Yeah. It's all like, Oh, fake, so the platforms, the charts. platforms are like, this is a, this is a bar graph representing how many times you've shot this bar graph or something. Yes. Okay. That's yeah. really clever actually. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I, I guess I should have mentioned that part. Uh, the, hmm. Maybe I should dust off my Vita. Yeah. It's, I bet it's cheap. I, you know what? If you have, like, the reason I have it is because it was on this month's PlayStation Plus. So I wouldn't be surprised if if you have if you have PlayStation Plus this month, you have it for both platforms it's on. Well, I don't have PlayStation Plus, Jim. Oh, okay. I don't have a PlayStation. You have a PlayStation Vita. That's true. So you could have a place. You could have PlayStation Plus and all the games you could ever want to play on the Vita, which is none of them. Um, it's spelunky. Well, you probably already have that for Vita. I don't actually. Oh man, I know what someone's getting for Christmas. I think my Vita has not been charged since Spelunky came out. You know, I made a point like six months ago to charge my Vita, and now it's charged. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and for all the talk I uh, I made about retiring from the Souls games, I've actually been jonesing for one of them. Um, and another game on this month's PlayStation Plus was Lords of the Fallen, mm. which, Riff, you have uh, something to say about that? <laughs> I, I haven't played it myself, uh, although I also picked it up on PS Plus, but right. the uh, 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 bonfire cha- bonfire side chat and the duck feed community generally have not been very complimentary about that game. Yeah, um, and it's, I can see why. So it it's a game that Basically, it takes Gears of War and replaces the combat system with the Dark Souls combat system. So it's like... It's like sci-fi. So also like a medieval setting, but it's the same like gross, bulgy men art style. Mm. Um, And it's the same like linear with like a little bit of uh, side exploration to find secrets. Um I was playing this game and I found myself having the feeling that I have in like many first person shooters, which is that I have to like be careful not to leave an area before I find all the secrets or I won't be able to come back to them. Mm. And that's, it never occurred to me, but I've like that, that having that feeling about a dark souls game is ludicrous Yeah, just because you, you have to explore everything just to make it through just to find all the the resources um yeah i mean it's it's all right it's i hear they're making a sequel so that might be better but it's hard to imagine like like the thing i like about dark souls like i like the combat but it's not what i value most about those games so Mm -hmm. it's not something that i'm gonna if that's the only thing it has to offer over other uh similar similarly structured games i'm not gonna be that interested in it that all oh i mean <laughs> uh 
I could I could keep talking about games, but I'll I'll save some podcast time for everybody else. Oh, yeah, because I'm, I'm running I'm, low. I'm generous like that. <laughs> I have played a tremendous amount of this phone game called Enyo E N Y O, which I think is the male form of Enya. <laughs> um, it is a game that is very similar to Hoplite. Uh, for people who've played Hoplite, um, it is turn based and. The gimmick of it, it was like a seven-day roguelike game, and it is by Tiny Touch Tales, which is the company that made, insert game name here, it's a game not very much like this one, but uh, it its focus is on indirect combat, like you don't have any direct way of harming enemies you either have to like push them into lava or push them into spikes or grab them with a hook and pull them into lava or spikes and then there's a a la hoplite there's one enemy type that just throws bombs onto the grid and then after a while those bombs will blow up so you can also like move a guy into the bomb radius to to blow up and it's uh it's very difficult it's got a weird scoring system where it's not really about progress through the levels so much as it is about setting up combos like every time you do something that interacts with an enemy or an object in the game world in such a way that the state changes it adds one like skull to your combo meter and only kills when the combo meter is full or worth points wow so you basically have to do a bunch of ministrations to get all of the enemies close enough together that you can always have something to achieve on every turn if you're going to score any points at all because if every time you move you just lose one of your combat meter and every time you get hit uh, you the meter goes down to zero and Jeez. does this uh, scoring system feed back into the game at all or is it just measuring no it's just measuring okay um, i would say that like as much as i like top light the one thing i liked least about it was probably the scoring system which was just like based on what floor you'd been to, and then I think a multiplier based on whether or not you died. Yeah, because the it was kind of a press-your-luck thing, right? Like, you could keep, keep going down. past the end of the game, and the more times you did that, the more points you got, unless you got killed. Yeah. In which case, it was, yeah, just like a fraction of it, right? Right. I, uh, I fired up Hoplite while I was, like, on the plane for the first time in a long, long time, and... uh I just couldn't remember anything about having ever been any good at it. <laughs> so, um, I played co-op Spelunky with uh, Tom oh, nice. uh, for the first time ever. And well, you haven't played co-op Spelunky before. No, never had. Wow. Uh, and is it always local co-op? Yeah. And uh, we did okay. We because uh, you both played a f- play a fair bit of Spelunky. Yeah, it had been a while, and I was on kind of an unfamiliar keyboard, so that didn't oh. help. And also, I was had never played co-op, so it's like weird that like the camera's not always pointing at you, and you mm. can't just do the things that your instincts are screaming at you to do, because there's another person whose instincts are screaming at them to do a slightly different thing, <laughs> but with a lot of the same objects and space. You uh, can't pass through each other, right? You like... I believe you can. You can, but you you're interactable. Like you can pick each other up and stuff. And oh, I huh. like you can accidentally stun each other with a whip. Yeah. The once one of you gets a shotgun, like everything is fucked forever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> when you if if one player dies, they become a ghost, which can right. move around and interact with the world in very minor ways. Like you can startle bats and you can trigger arrow traps and stuff. Uh, and then 
it in the next level, it will always spawn a coffin that if the other person finds it and whips it, you will pop out of it. At full uh, health? or Yeah, oh, but man. with no bombs or ropes. When you get killed, it drops all of your bombs and ropes in a bag and the other person can pick them up. Can, but there's no way to like transfer them in between. Transfer, you cannot no. share them. Um, <clears throat> huh. But yeah, it was a lot of fun, and I would really like to, like, I wish there was, like, a co-op daily challenge and some way to play that online and someone to do that with. And then you had a friend. Yeah, and, I, and then I had a friend, yeah. I just, I really wish you could play multiplayer online, I guess, is basically, like, because I would always, like, I would, that would be such a fun new life breathed into that game for me. Yeah. Um, although not being able to... It might even be more interesting if you couldn't communicate with the other person, except by I don't know. You could work out an elaborate system of coded whips. Yeah, Yeah. having each player with their own monitors that you—it was basically like playing regular Spunky, but just having another player in this world. Yeah, that would also be really nice because you also just—if you're off camera for a certain amount of time—you just die. Like, and whoever is player one, the camera follows them. Oh wow! Yeah, I feel like that's kind of integral to the design, like. It, it it feels like it's such a huge part of co-op spelunky that it would be weird to not do that. To not have the camera follow one player one. And then, like, it, it, you have, like, part of the challenge is keeping everybody on the screen. I, yeah, and I guess that players. is also, oh, wow. it is more likely to be interesting in an emergent bullshit happening with the systems yeah. standpoint if the players are close enough together for yeah. their interactions to affect each other. Right. It just sucks because it's like something that does happen in Spelunky, even when you know what you're doing, is you still sometimes just like, well, fuck, I just fell three screens yeah. down to <laughs> the bottom a- of this hole in the jungle. And uh, and if you're the flag carrier, then yeah. Yeah. everybody else dies. And if you're not, I mean, you I, die. I, I've played, I don't know, not a ton of co-op Spelunky, but enough that like I feel like I've developed some off-screen navigation skills. Hmm. Not if you fall into a place that you've never seen. <laughs> that makes it <laughs> significantly makes it trickier. It's a little different, um, yeah. It does, however, I think, uh, in my experience, make it very easy to find where some spikes are, uh, <laughs> just by feeling around. <laughs> um, I found the spikes, guys. Uh, Tom and I also played this like co-op platformer called Ib and Ob. Oh, yeah. Which was good. It was a lot like Portal co-op. Uh we got to this part where we're like, ooh, this is, we're starting to see like a kind of a new mechanic and the mood of this thing is changing. We must be almost done. This is great. And then uh, he looked at a fact and we were like halfway through it. We're mm-hmm. like, yeah, we're not going to play this anymore. Like, if I, this had been the last level, that would have yeah. been made us a lot happier. I, I played Ibn Ab a little bit with a friend of mine. And um, the thing I remember most about it was that the right stick, if you're using a game pad, it draws a weird, like, uh, particle light line on the screen. Hmm. Um, and we were trying to figure out what the game mechanic was for that. Like, what does that actually do? And eventually we realized that's just so you can point at something on the screen so your co-op player can see what you're talking about. Yeah, we were, like, we intended to play it on the same screen, but the way Tom's couch works made it difficult, so I was just looking at the computer while he was looking at the TV. Okay, the the way most couches I've worked is that you both sit on them, and then you look at the same screen because it's across from the couch. This is not how that couch works. Okay. That's interesting. Uh... But it's fun. I would recommend it to anybody who uh, likes playing a platform. Anybody who you think uh, you would like playing Portal 2 co-op again. 
Yeah. Uh, with with somebody who's you know. I really enjoyed that playing with that with you. Yeah. Back when we did that. Yeah, it was fun. So Hard, I would recommend it to us. Hardy if I recommendation of Portal Two Co-op. Mm-hmm. That said, you can't really just go do it, right? Like you. Yeah. Need, no, it takes a it takes some doing and like planning. You have to have recently played Portal <laughs> Two. Also, yeah. in order to have any prayer of like understanding the, but it was sort of like going back to m- that Mel's story or whatever. After not Portal playing stories, Mel. Portal Stories, Mel, oh, yeah, right. trying to go back to that after it having been a couple years since you played Portal Two, it's like wow, this just hits the ground at the highest difficulty of Portal Two, and if you don't remember how stuff works, it's yeah, um, yeah, and then in that light. Like the design of Portal Two was kind of an accomplishment in that they ran you through the the entirety of the Portal One difficulty curve in like half an hour. I hadn't thought about that. Like the idea that somebody would have played Portal Two without playing Portal One, or like, even just haven't play, hadn't played it in years. Yeah. So. yeah, even just reminding the player how how you have to play it. That was like three years. That was like 2010, right? I don't remember. That sounds about right. Yeah. When's Portal Three coming out, man? Oh, Valve doesn't make games anymore. I, I mean, <laughs> they, they don't certainly make don't make like threes in them. It was yeah. said they not make anything. With they don't make games third. with campaigns. I'll put it that way. They make a lot of games where you like grind up cards to make gems. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are you just talking about their like holiday sales? <laughs> yeah, that's a game. Yeah, anything gamified is a game. When are they going to gamify crossword puzzles? I played a lot of that cryptic crossword app. I figured while I was in England, it might make it easier to get the weird English slang. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It and didn't really. Did, did Were you able to, like, ask any passerby on the street for help? I did, but they nobody, everybody just told me to... Uh, sawed off. Sawed, s- sawed off, off. Yeah. yes. That's <laughs> what I... I was trying to think of, like, what's an English way to say, go fuck yourself. Oh. They just wouldn't say that. They're too polite. I did... I found a thing in a newspaper. It was weird just picking up random, like weekly newspapers without knowing anything about like Brexit. what the politics of a given newspaper is like you don't know whether you're picking up the like Fox News or the oh, MSNBC right. of newspapers or also even like what are politics <laughs> in England because it's not like this is a conservative one and this is a liberal like you know it seems like a significantly more complicated system of parties it's, multi- there yeah, that- it's multi-party in a way that the US isn't yeah, I, I I feel like I follow enough people who tweet about British politics that I now like would recognize some nouns like labor mm-hmm. is yeah, a noun, yeah. um, but I still don't know like how these nouns fit together. It's every time when I wake up, it's like my my Twitter feed is all Brits because of the time right. difference. So like I I always get my like British news first in the morning yeah it was weird being over there and like everything that i pay attention to on the internet being really really active at night and really really dead in the morning Mm. yeah what have you played kevin vampires just vampires well no because they're vampires the masquerade bloodline and they're really dead in the morning (laughs) uh so i mean i played some things at pax sort of i played a little bit of stuff um but I don't remember a lot of it. I played Tumble Seed. I don't know if you've seen that at all. No, how does that work? <clears throat> that is, uh, it's a new game by Greg 
Woolwind and Friends. There's like four, four, four devs working on it. He was the one who was showing it at PAX. Um, and it's, it is reminiscent of, uh, that those like labyrinth games, uh, like wooden labyrinth games where you sort of tilt yeah, the device. Yeah. Uh, the way that it works is the play field is sort of like a vertical version of that where it's got holes in it. Uh, and what you are doing is, uh, moving a sort of balance beam sort of, you can move it like the, you can sort of turn it like tw- twist it left or right. Um, which makes it tilt that you're moving a physical object that is a balance beam as the controller or <sighs> you're is it a video game or it's is a it video a, game sorry okay. yeah it's a video game but it's uh the controller that they had at the at pax was two little joysticks and you're just that's controlling the right and left sides okay. of this sort of platform and your your character is this little ball this sort of like seed um that rolls if the bar is uh, tilted, it will roll down the bar, and if it's flat, it just sits there. But then you can also move the the bar up the screen, uh, and so you're just trying to navigate sort of a maze with this sort mm. of physicsy. So thing. this is like that beer <clears throat> game. There was one at one of the Zapcons, and they have it at. I think the game is called Ice Cold Beer. It's like mm. a physical. Oh, maybe game where the the arcade cabinet looks like a big beer and the bubbles are these holes and you're trying to get the move there's like a a ball on a stick that you're moving the stick up and trying to get it as high up as possible without having it fall in a hole right and it's timed and stuff yeah yeah this one this one i might be timed or might not you have to like collect resources to like unlock save points and stuff it was really fun it was super charming the art style is cute um it seems like it's full of lots of little secrets and the fun things to explore and find i only played it for like 10 minutes so i didn't get a a good uh, sense of it. Neat. Um, but I think it will be at Fantastic Arcade, so you can get right. it down there. Um, and it was also at XOXO. Uh, let's see here. I watched a bunch of people playing, is it Multibowl? That's the Bennett Foddy, oh, yeah. Amy Thompson game. Have we talked about that? I remember hearing him describe it somewhere. It's like, it is a game that it uses... MAME memory snapshots to present two players with a variety of like it'll just suddenly be like okay now you're playing Rampage first person that touches the ground loses okay now you are in a Street Fighter 2 game where each person has like a tiny sliver of health left so the first person to do damage wins Uh, it's 230 different little snapshots from, from games and you they're like 15 seconds each and you play up to 10 points it's a competitive wario where mm. using real arcade games as the as the materials and yeah and some of them are super obscure and strange uh stuff i'd never seen before what uh, an interesting research project that yeah. must have been it's been yeah. working on it for years yeah yeah like i, I figure bet- like figuring out the, the fact that it's like figuring out how to measure like like the whole the first person that touches the ground loses in Rampage is like wow you would have had to just like be tracking memory locations yeah. to see I okay. guess that one is not so hard like you I mean at, at all all the uh, I I bet there are mame there's a version of mame or if not you could add it that ha- that has like just metrics you could use tools you can use to just Let's look at all the memory locations that are increasing. Yeah, regular MAME has that, right? Because it's got, like, cheat search functionality yeah. so that you can say, like, I just want I want you to show me all of the memory locations that have changed as a result of me hitting this button or yeah. whatever. So, yeah, that's... Yeah. 
But like, but you still have to do that hundreds of times. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I and I think like even more. Well, I, I, this is I, I was going to call it work, but like I bet Bennett Foddy really enjoys this. Like, sure. just I bet he played like he, probably he found like a torrent of every arcade game and just played every competitive multiplayer one just to find the good stuff. Some of them aren't necessarily like Rampage isn't necessarily competitive. Yeah, right? and I guess you do have a score, so you are like there is a it, winner. And you so can play it that way. You can you can, can, you can hurt each other. Yeah, like you, you can hurt each other yeah, for sure. Yeah, it is ostensibly co-op though. Um, but yeah, like any I guess any multiplayer game then. Yeah, because there's a I think what was it Marvel Madness was oh, another yeah. one that like I think is ostensibly co-op, but it's a race. Oh yeah, that's true. I, I, I hit, like, again, these games, I haven't, like, so many of these games I've not seen, like, some of them I had never seen before, some of them I hadn't seen for 20 years. Yeah. But it was great, though. It was super neat. Uh, people were super into it. The the entire set of MAME ROMs is a wildly <laughs> different animal than the arcade games that you've seen, even yeah. if you've seen a lot of arcade yeah. games, which, we like, we are people who spend a lot of time around arcade games, even still, and... Yeah. I bet that we've heard of a tenth of the total number of Yeah, there's just so much out there that's obscure. There might have been, like, two of them. Yeah. Things that, like, yeah, Atari made one cabinet and put it in a laundromat and nobody played it, so it didn't go into production. Right. Like, Uh, I've been continuing to play Deus Ex a little bit. The uh, new one or Human Revolution? Human Revolution. I don't Mm. think the new one will run on my computer, Mm. I'm guessing, so... Uh, I was really hoping that they were going to refresh the power book line with this it's like Apple event, and they did not. And so I don't know when or if they're ever going to. It's really frustrating. I saw someone uh, plot like post a graph that was showing various video cards uh, power over time, mm-hmm. and apparently the uh, the one in in the new iPhone is pretty good. And it's made by Apple. It's like an Apple, like manu- designed and manufactured video- GPU. And I'm wondering huh. if that, like, maybe their uh, the MacBooks will actually like be powerful enough to run games soon in, in the uh, they, the new edition. I mean, they've been pretty decent. Like, I'm I'm running. So this is a 2000. My com- current computer is a 2011 yeah. MacBook Pro, and it is running games that work you know contemporary and shortly thereafter right because I'm, I'm playing DSX human revolution it, it gives you this warning when you start it it's like this computer is not compatible but it runs fine okay so you know not being able to run modern games like it's just it the computer's not going to be as powerful as a trade-off for it being so much cheaper <laughs> than a pc <laughs> that is the other option is that i just get some sort of like nice gaming machine headless gaming machine and just Steam stream it or something did yeah. you say a headless gaming machine? Yeah, like not a computer without a head, without a monitor. I see. You could get a you could get a PC laptop. I could. I would even buy it for you for r- doing the books. Oh right. No. You need a real powerful GPU to run QuickBooks. You do, Kevin. <laughs> Cuda. It's to run Cuda it quick. Action. To run it quick enough. Right. Otherwise, your your books are too slow. Um. You should have a gaming PC. Yeah, probably, but I don't, I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. My life is so weird. I feel like I, I, normally my computer is at the office, so normally I play, like, video games, like, two days a week when I stay late at the office. So. 
Otherwise, I just play games on my phone. I bet pretty soon, like people who who work with Excel for a living will start need to start learning how to write shaders, just to get the Excel? Uh, yeah, just to get the formulas running fast enough. Oh my god, <laughs> that's horrifying. Uh, I was talking with Phil Fish a little bit uh, at XOXO, and he was telling me that he was I think he was hanging out with his like niece or something, mm. and who's ten, and was asking. So what what uh, what are all the cool kids playing? Like, what's the cool game? You know, cool game for ten year olds. And they were like, Google Docs. And he was like, What? It's like, Oh, you know, you can change the colors of the text and the size and stuff. And like, everybody can be like editing everybody else's things, and you can like make jokes and stuff. And I was like, Okay, what? so this is like, this is like proto Minecraft. Well, I mean, this is like this is hanging out behind the gas station, except online. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You can do it in class. It doesn't look like you're playing a game. Oh yeah. So, huh? Yeah, I was like, somebody just needs to make a, a slightly more gamified Google Docs. Yeah. Uh, and import they would the be... stickers from iMessage and things yep. like that. Well, but it can't look like you're playing a game. It needs to look. Well, like, okay. Yeah. If that's if that's a important bullet point in the feature list, or I, well, hell, I don't just know. Just a niceness. Yep. Google Docs. Riff, are you ready to talk a lot about World of Warcraft? Well, before I do that, I also played <laughs> um, Picross 3D2, uh, which came out recently and is super good. Um, How's the tutorial? Uh, it's pretty decent, and it's not, like, all in your face all at once. It, um, it has, like, a set... It has, like, the basics tutorial, and then you unlock a bunch of puzzles. And as you play through that, you unlock more puzzles. And some of the puzzles that you unlock are, like, higher-level technique informations things. Mm. So it, it's, it's nice and gradual. Um, but yeah, it's really good, and it's not just, like... Picross one, Picross three D one over again. They added a new dimension to it uh, by the putting Picross four D. Well, it's it's two colors now. Instead, in Picross three D, oh. the first Picross three D, everything was just made out of cubes like Minecraft, and you just you chisel away the cubes that are not part of the puzzle. In this one, um, you are you you have you know you have your block of cubes again but this time the numbers are in either they are either blue or orange and so you either have to chisel away blocks that are not part of the puzzle or paint them blue or orange according to to what they are and then once you've painted everything the blocks that you've painted blue remain cubes but the ones you've painted orange like turn into curves and and you know, wibbly bits and, and uh, divided pieces <laughs> so that you get like this much more uh, curvilinear so sort of sculpture. They added color to the game in order to... Do partial blocks. Yeah, to yeah, have like... To not, have, not to have colored objects, but to have... Well, because they, they always right, became colored. Right, because it colors at the end. Oh, yeah. right, yeah, yeah. You're right. So, and, and so it also... So it presents the sort of thing you get with... Uh, colored picross where it's you you have a block that where it says this line has three blue cubes and two orange cubes in it and you have to yeah. not just decide you know which five cubes are good cubes but which is which color so it's it's real good 
Does it differentiate like Contiguous hungry block. cat Picross style? Is it hungry cat Picross or sleepy cat? It's hungry, hungry, hungry cat. Hungry cat. Okay. Uh, uh, does it differentiate between contiguous and non-contiguous blocks? Yeah. Yes. Um, That's, you kind of have to have that, right? You need some kind of additional information besides just the, yeah. the number. The the way it works is you either have uh, just the the numbers are either <coughs> just the number, which means it's a contiguous block of that color, or a number in a circle means uh, that many cubes in two groups exactly. And then a number in a square means that many cubes in three or more groups. Oh, weird. Yeah. yeah. That, okay, that's more information than Hungry Cat gives you. But the other way you could do it is like if it was a red one and then a blue two and then a red two and then a blue oh, yeah. one. Right. Whatever. That would work in a normal Picross, but on this you only have like a little square to put the information on. Mm. So. But yeah, so that, I super recommend that. But uh, I also recommend the New World of Warcraft expansion because it's really freaking good. It's you, super did good. Did you really find a, an NPC called Captain Placeholder? Yeah, he's there. I just ran into him in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Apparently he's been in the game since, like, Cataclysm, but hasn't been, like, an official thing, I think. I guess, like, originally just he... An NP <laughs> Just a character, a player character named Clapton Placeholder who just hangs out there all the time? No, no, he was like, a, he was an NPC, not a player, but I think originally okay. he was he was an actual placeholder who was not meant to be in the game, and some people found him, and, and Blizzard said, oh, whoops, and took him <laughs> away, and then there's a big outcry of people sad that Captain Placeholder was gone, <laughs> so they brought him back for real in this expansion. As I was trying to stave off sleep until a reasonable hour last night uh, after flying home, I played maybe half an hour of the new expansion. So I, I got my I got my artifact weapon and nice. saw a little constellation of powers made available on it, and then got to pick what what zone I started out in. Like they've apparently devised some kind of like scaling technology yeah, so that you can just you in... can go through the zones of the new expansion in whatever order you want yep there there's five zones and one of them is like the max level zone so you can't start there but the other four zones just totally scale with you as you level and you can pick whichever one you want to start out in and once you've done m most if not all of the story stuff in that zone it says what zone are you going to go to next and you pick one and it's yeah, and it's so it, that implies that they don't have any kind of multi-zone quest progression stuff. Uh, not until later. There is some stuff uh, like once you hit, uh, once you've gotten to the the fifth zone, so you're like level one ten and can move around the entire map freely. They start splicing so, in some of that. Do you think if you if you were to like party up with someone who did one zone first and you? And yeah. it was a zone you did last. Mm. Would you see like differing monster powers depending depending on like which of you is fighting the monster? I'm not sure. That's an interesting That's, question. That yeah, I'm really intrigued by like the the mechanics of how they did this. Yeah, I'd be really curious to know how the scaling works. Also, mm. the thing they did that I super love that has really improved the game as far as I'm concerned is they did away with uh, like tapping monsters like it used to be like 
the first guy who hits a monster that's his monster and anybody else you know anybody else can damage that monster but they don't get any kind of credit and now i think it's like up to five or six people can can tag a monster without being in a party or anything i think that that's true of some monsters but not no it's true of everything some, I definitely, some, when I was doing the early quests, low level that I had to just kill eight like guys. They trash, were gray. Trash mobs uh, are. It's based on faction. Uh, if somebody from the opposite faction is has tagged a monster, oh. then then you can't have it. But like uh, the the rare spawns and and world bosses and stuff don't. Uh, that doesn't apply huh. to. So yeah, so it, it it's it's true of every monster, but for like trash, it's it's factual based. Yeah, um, but what that means is where it used to be that if you if there was like a daily quest where everybody was going out to to kill ten pigs, Rats. then there's a lot of people in that area killing those pigs, and it sucked because you were running around trying to be the first guy to see a fresh pig and there'd be guys who were like uh tapping monsters from distance so that nobody else can get them or that are running around just like spamming area yeah like spamming low, area low rank area effect things, and, yeah. and grabbing like five guys before they start killing any of them so that nobody else can have them and it, you mean and like it, they'd go get a burger before they yeah, <laughs> yeah. And man, and it and it sucked, and it was the worst thing. But now it's just it's awesome. You everybody runs around, and if somebody else has caught a monster first, it doesn't matter, and you run up and help him kill that monster. And if a guy has AOE and and is being swarmed by six guys, instead of him being an asshole, he's a great guy because you because you can just run up and hit them with your AOE, and now you get credit for six guys at once when the two of you have finished killing those guys. And when you're running down the road from point A to point B and you see somebody on the side of the road killing a bear, like previously you would just ignore it because you don't care. They, But now, like nine times out of ten, I'll stop and help that guy kill that bear because I'll get some bear parts out of it and it'll take zero time because two people can kill a bear instantly. <laughs> And it's it's great. Lessons, lessons for life. Yes, lessons. You need two people to kill a bear. That's well to kill it way. instantly. Yeah, to kill it instantly. Uh, yeah, man. There's just so much uh, cool quality of life stuff. And you know, seems the, pretty fun. Yeah, and plus, like, I don't, I don't want to go into spoiler territory, but there's a lot of like really good characters, and there's a lot of uh, really good writing and the quests and dialogue and stuff. And man, what, there what was the like weird mechanized mount or something? What I saw some picture that you posted that was something really strange. It seemed like a character mm. in a in a mech almost. I it's don't the remember. It's the Mechano Strider for the gnome mount. No, I, well no. maybe it was. I don't. I don't remember. Do you uh, remember what my comment was? Or nope, I do huh. not. I, I don't recall. So a couple of weeks ago, maybe it was David Bass. A, a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about this, we came to the conclusion that World of Warcraft <laughs> needed, like, 75% less cool shit in it. <laughs> Any movement on that front? Uh, there's still a lot of cool shit. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Man, the the thing that... It sounds like a really simple thing, but they added this thing that 
blows my mind every time I use it, and I use it constantly. When you hit the level cap at 110 and have uh, gotten a friendly rank with, with all five factions, because every zone has its own faction, and getting friendly with all of them is nothing, because you just you get that pretty much automatically by playing through the story quests in that area. But so once you've hit basically end game, so you're, you've got the entire continent unlocked, you've got friendly with everybody, they give you a whistle. And what this whistle does, it has a five minute cooldown. So every five minutes you can blow it and it just teleports you to the nearest taxi stand. <laughs> and hmm. it just, it's a total game changer <laughs> because it used to be like, going out and doing uh, like your daily quest or whatever you have to you ride to the flight point and ride back and but now it's just eh, killed my fifth goblin blow the whistle and I'm back going instantly so, to wherever the next well, place I want to go is do you not have flying mounts in no area uh, yeah, flying mounts will eventually be possible but it's like a long chain of uh achievements you have to get to unlock flying in this area and it's basically like gating it so that you will not be able to fly there until you've done everything there is to do basically so they they really like they they have really doubled down on making it more of a place that you don't get to just yeah free and roam. and plus so that they can so that they can have things like you know if you want to get up to this guy, you have to run up this road <laughs> uh, sure. full of full of baddies first, rather than just jumping over them. So when you say taxi stand, you mean like the, the Griffin? Yeah, the Griffin, the flight. Okay, flight it's not points. like a yellow cab thing. No. <laughs> well, except in any goblin owned territory where it's probably some stupid rocket or some bullshit <laughs> okay All i right. think I there is actually I live with that. one i have seen one where it's a goblin running it and he puts you on a rocket <laughs> yeah. are there a bunch of angry bees nearby <laughs> yep because the rock bit yep they're yep. also near all the rocks right that's pretty much and alter rock playing. valley <laughs> yeah oh <laughs> Is that where they get the rocks to make all the altars out of for the priests? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, every other one, they make oh, alternate, right. alternate, alternate rock alter altars. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you guys want to talk about either assignment? Sure. Not really. Oh, I what? only remembered one of them. What okay. was the other? Okay, let's let's talk about the assignment. You, which which one do you remember? The um. I've forgotten what it was called. It was like a side-scrolling Minecraft. Okay, that's that's the new one. That's Magisite. The, the other one was the, was the old one. We were going to talk about uh, SteamWorld Heist a little bit. Oh, again, right. Since... We didn't... Uh... Oh, right, because that was on the Zero episode. Okay. And I didn't yeah. play it because I wasn't going to be on that episode. <clears throat> uh, but you did play SteamWorld Heist. Uh, yeah, I played a few minutes of it like before okay. it was done as an assignment. Okay. So it seemed very charming. Yeah. It's uh, it's super charming. The intro is like, so this is SteamWorld Heist. Uh, super charming, like sort of world setting with the little retro um, video clips, uh, and then it dumps you into the game, which is not quite as charming. Uh, it never is. Like, I, 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 it made me think of like the Overwatch promo videos versus actual Overwatch gameplay. Hmm. So the the trick is to just not be as good at the 
excuse me, as the at the uh, promotional stuff, so that the right, game so everything fits, or, or just like promote the game using like clips of people shooting each other in the face, right? Yeah, but yeah, the I I like the the setting of SteamWorld Heist a lot. Space uh, space cowboy robot yeah. steam steam yeah. powered robots. and I I put it on easy and then the gameplay itself was tolerable. It seemed like it was well done. Uh, but I just can't bring myself to care about a uh, turn-based tactics game. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. I, I, and that's sort of a failing on my part, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I certainly don't... The game seems like it's fun. I just... I, I, yeah. Yeah, I'm not I mean, super... Like, it does a lot of things that, that seemed like I should like, but, yeah. I'm, just I'm, the moment-to-moment... Go on. Oh, I just, I'm generally speaking down with turn-based tactics because it seems like there's... There's interesting stuff you could do, like jigsaw puzzle fitting all the different things you want to do on a turn into your limited amount of turn points, but they don't really do much of that in here. Okay. Because you're spending all your points on moving, basically. Oh, no, I mean, you, you, if you you have, like, two two movement thresholds, right? You can yeah. move far enough such that yeah, you can Yeah, you don't really have shoot. points. Right, in, in and then you have a second yeah. movement threshold. If you don't want to shoot, you can move further. Right. And so and it's, there's a lot of uh, cover. There's a lot of like cover-based mechanics. So it's uh, fine. I don't. I don't mind it. But if I'm going to play like a turn-based thing, I want some more detail. In in like what, 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 what would that detail in, entail? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, <clears throat> Because like I'm like thinking about options? like yeah more options like I thinking about like uh, like I don't know like one of the original two Fallout games it seems like there was a lot of stuff you could do in a turn but I guess that depends on like what you have equipped and what uh, skills you have because like you can you can equip uh, like uh, first aid kits so you can heal uh, other players true. and stuff yeah uh, maybe maybe we just didn't play it enough to get into the like Nitty super gritty, variable kinda. yeah but yeah it's um, it's i mean i liked it i'm i'm uh it's not at the top of the pile of games that i'm continuing to play but sure. it's it's worth playing for comparison i played steam world dig a lot yeah, yeah me too yeah that being on a handheld, that was huge. Was huge. Yeah. Yeah. Steamworld has not on a handheld device. Uh, well, I, I don't think so. Okay. It seems like it would be a good fit for a mm. phone or a. I think it might. I, be I think on it is on. The I think e it is on 3ds. Yeah. 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 Okay. Because it seemed it would be seem weird for them to to do a PC only. Yeah, that's a good after. point. I remember when I played through the tutorial, it not being at all clear like how far you were allowed to move. Oh yeah. And I don't know. They is don't that a thing? Super obvious. I think they, I think you have a stat, which is your movement. But then it doesn't uh, like really show means. the limits the way that it does. Like I feel like in your XComs or whatever, you tap on a guy and it shows you this is how far you can go if you want to shoot, and this is how far you can go if you like, don't want to shoot. If you move the mouse around to different locations, yeah, it like paints the ground where... with your red or blue <coughs> lines showing you how far you can go, I believe. Mm. But I think that does, it does require a little more active participation on your part. It's not, uh, it's not just sort of giving you all the possible options right. at once. Yeah, oh yeah, that's right. You, you mouse hover over a, over a square and it tells you if you would be red or blue to get there. 
I also feel like maybe I was playing it. I was playing it on my laptop and maybe just not using the mouse at all mm. because the tutorialization was just teaching you how to do it with the keyboard. And so maybe that was part of it was just not yeah. getting that kind of like ambient information that having a mouse allows you to get. Uh, I liked the I liked the collectible hat system, but I was confused a lot by how it was it a little worked. weird. Yeah, we we. Went you have to like shoot the to hat out, off the enemy's head and then pick it up. Yeah, do you have to replace your hat? Can you just pick up arbitrary numbers of hats? Like I, I remember my hat got shot off once, and another character couldn't pick it up, but the original character could. But the, uh, then then I picked up a, an enemy's hat instead, and then I couldn't pick up my original hat anymore. And I was yeah, because that guy was already like, wearing a hat, I guess maybe. And does that mean that you lose that hat, or do, yeah, once you have a hat, do you get to no use idea. it forever? Just like go into your like. <laughs> A hollow hat because it like, seems like library I, I into your like, Bartholomew Cubbins module <laughs> yeah because <laughs> if you hadn't picked up a hat you wouldn't have lost that hat from your hat wardrobe I don't think right yeah so yeah so I, I was just baffling. baffled and I, I I bunches of times shot hats off guys and then it didn't let me pick that hat up but it was hats that I'd already that owned yeah yeah exactly so yeah it was it was puzzling but I mean, it turns out, I mean, the hats didn't actually do anything except look cool on different robots. So, right. So but maybe it's important. okay that they don't really explain it. I really like the sound design, like the way the characters talk. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the the my favorite part of SteamWorld Heist was like just clicking on a guy over and over to just to listen to his little voice sample. It's sort of a weird, like it's a robotic uh, Charlie Brown <laughs> yeah. situation. <laughs> yep, really charming. Yeah, yeah. I did not. I I played it for like two hours. I didn't get very far. Uh, solved a couple of the quests and enjoyed it, but I, it didn't like. It is a, it is a game that I would go back to eventually if I wasn't doing anything else. But I feel yeah, like there's always if be something there else. weren't millions of amazing games coming out. Right. All at once. Yeah. We're continuously forever. We're doomed making games. Yeah. When I played it, I was on my laptop and I remember thinking, all right, I'm definitely going to play this on my desktop machine with a real mouse and a comfortable chair. And then you never did. Because if there's one thing that you cannot do is take a laptop to a more comfortable chair. <laughs> uh, I mean, then it would be a comfortable chair top or just a, a table in front of a comfortable chair top. Yes. There's. Just, like, you can't play certain games with a trackpad. Yeah. Sure. And I would argue that it is almost all games in which the mouse is even a little bit important. Yeah. I'm curious, this might be a good segue to the, the second new assignment, uh, Magisite. Uh, did you play, you played that with a mouse? Yeah. I'm, I'm curious what that would be like. Because the, the mouse is a little bit important. It's like it determines your facing, I think, and where the camera is. But I could imagine playing that without the mouse. I guess you use it to select um, ingredients for crafting and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so Magisite is a it's it's also a platformer style game. It seems um, like it's trying to be like based. Spelunky and Minecraft at the same time. Yeah. Or like Terraria, kind of reminds yeah. me of Terraria a little bit. Yeah. So you, you harvest materials from the environment, like like lumber and uh, stone and stuff, and there are enemies that um, f you fight sort of arcade-style 2D platformer 
Um, but you have to craft your own weapons and tools, and they degrade over time. Yeah, and it's permadeath. Um, yeah, which, those gameplay elements seem yeah, like that, absolutely that not, not. Yeah, the, the the a long tech tree having to to build up to getting efficient gear, and then it all goes away, and you have to start from two sticks. When you There's die, a long sucks. delay after you die, and I that maybe I'm just presuming this, but I get the impression that maybe that's a period for you to be able to activate like a thing that brings you back to oh, life. Yeah, that, oh yeah, like maybe. in like how you uh, get your second wind in Borderlands. Yeah, or um, or like the maybe there's ways like like in Don't Starve where you get to mm. come back from a from things that you've set up in advance. Yeah. Um, so maybe maybe down the tech tree there are ways to do that. Like, I you know I I did not get super far in this. Maybe yeah. like the seventh or eighth little world or whatever. Um, I played through it s- several times with different characters and stuff. There's the hats are r- remarkably different. I don't mm. know how many of them you unlocked. There's a there's one that's a, like bunny ears that gives you a triple jump instead of just mm. a double jump. Mm. Okay. Um, My stuff that like. Incre- increases the drops that you get and my first uh, two uh, lives were over in seconds because the random world generation spawned a giant boar like right next to me mm. yeah, yeah I had that happen that happened to me yeah, a bunch. the second game that I yeah. played yeah the first game I played had a bunch of pigs and so it, it was it, it seemed very sort of natural to like sort of progress and you get, you're getting some food and you have these enemies that don't fight you very well and then yeah then I also I, yeah I would say like door. I don't think the the level generation had that much care put into game yeah. balance yeah there's a, there there are often situations where you're in a very tight space with those with sort of moving spike platforms uh, yeah I had one world generate that was just almost entirely those things it was basically like that part of a boy in his blob where <laughs> <laughs> right you think the umbrella is going to help you, but it doesn't. Right. Uh, I I like Magisite quite a bit. I, I I started to sort of get into it a little bit. Um, I you know the the I have not looked at a wiki, so I've just been finding everything by exploration and and trying things. And uh, maybe there's some like ways to craft things that I'm just not aware of. But the the actually crafting in your inventory seems like a big pain in the ass. Um, because it, you don't have a lot of inventory space. Oh yeah, I hadn't even considered that. You, I mean, you not only do you have that small amount of inventory space, but in order to craft stuff, you have to leave enough of that space open to give you cra- crafting room, huh? Yeah, <laughs> I never lived long enough for that to matter. Yeah, no, you can drop neither. stuff on the ground for a while, but I think it despawns within a minute or two. Mm. Uh, whenever I accidentally drop stuff on the ground, it immediately got sucked back in. Yeah, you kind of have to like throw it away from you and then walk away from it so yeah. it doesn't my, pop back in. My longest-lived character was like, I think the, it was like it said it was like eight minutes, and the reason I lived that long was that somehow I got this weapon. I think it was called an obsidian sword that was mm. just ten times as good as the starting axe. Yeah, you can you can craft a. I, I started with a diamond blade one time, and mm. if you make a sword out of that, it's plus 25 damage. Do you just yeah. start with a random item? That's Two random items, yeah. I see. I think it's different per race. Mm. But yeah, the starting race is like, just <coughs> you get some random items, and a, one of, them, one of mine was the obsidian sword. Yeah. 
Um, I'm realizing that we have not uh, picked an assignment. For oh, this yeah. Time. Oh. Uh, so I'm trying to bring up our Google Docs with suggestions. Deadly Towers for the NES. Okay. I'm up for it. Sure. All right. <laughs> what a terrible idea this is. Is is Deadly Towers an actual NES game? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Okay. I know. I don't think I know anything about it. It's the... It'll be interesting to see what you think of it. What are the deadliest towers? Deadly Towers for the NES. Deadly Towers for the NES. Okay. Um, so next week we are... Uh, recording as normal. Recording as normal. But then maybe twice. Maybe, yeah, because we're... Uh, the week after that is Fantastic Arcade, and we will be gone the entire like week... You're not going to Fantastic Arcade, are you, Joe? No, I'm not. Okay. okay. We could potentially record remotely. Yeah. In fact, let's plan on doing that. Let's just take the take okay. the recorder and we'll just do one from there because sure. we can all Skype and we can all record our own ends. Okay. You guys going to Indicade? Yes. It's, Maybe. I think. We have not yet like okay. made travel plans. Um, they still have not announced who's in the... They have. Not in the digital selects. They yeah. announced the main which festival we things, were never which pl- we, we knew were never we were not going to gonna festival. Ha- like, happen. Yeah. We have been wanting to know forever whether we're one of the digital selects or not. It seems like that thing is goofed up internally somehow like it, it it seems like it's not going well <laughs> the planning of it i have no idea at least yeah i don't it's, know it's uh it, because it, does, it, it feels very uh belated everything is really late yeah. yeah and it's in a new venue in a new part of town and it's like it really seems like some growing pains are occurring yeah it'll be an interesting year to see what what happens well, gentlemen, I've had a fantastic time recording episode number 256 of Video Games Hot Dog with you, and I hope we do it again real soon. And listeners, I hope you'll join us. And, and until then, Jim? Um, keep your head in the toilet and keep reaching for the fridge. Yeah. yeah it's a good school. week. Mm. Have, a, have a good week, everybody. Good night. Good night.